today on Ag News Daily. That's what we're all trying to decide. So usually on the August report, the USDA will tweak the yield. They will tweak it somehow, some way, but they don't um, do like an actual in the field survey until like that data comes out in September. Good afternoon and happy Market Monday from the Ag News Daily Podcast. It's Ashton Carr joined by Dawson Schmidt. It's going to be just the two of us for the next couple of days as Delaney is on a leadership retreat. So folks, you'll have to buckle in because this is our first Market Monday without Delaney in quite some time. It sure is. And it's something that, you know, that's probably going to be good for the both of us to really kind of, you know, get used to working with each other a little bit. And also for me, because I haven't been on too much, but I might finally get quite a bit of practice in this week. Absolutely, Dawson. And I think it's really funny talking about agriculture um, from a young person's perspective. A lot of my friends were in town this week because there was a wedding Um, on Saturday that we all went to. So on Friday night, we all kind of got together. And it was the first time we had gotten together in in quite some time. And some of us have gone off and gotten real jobs after graduation. Some of us are just interns doing some different things before we graduate. And the one thing that we had to talk about was ag. There was like, we weren't talking about, you know, our social calendars or pop culture, any of the quote unquote normal things that people our age talk about. We were just talking about agriculture and what's really been going on in the headlines. So I thought that that was pretty funny. For sure. I can definitely relate to that as it seems like almost every conversation I have can sometimes almost slip an agricultural reference in there, whether if it's something, you know, that's happened in the past or something that we are seeing today. So it just seems like, you know, it takes up a lot of space in my mind and it's just hard to, you know, kind of repress that. Absolutely. It sure is, Dawson. But let's go ahead and just talk about some agriculture and what's been going on in the headlines. I don't really have anything weather related for once. I think this is the first episode that I don't have anything to really talk about when it comes to weather. Um, In like the past couple of weeks, I mean, we did get some rain this weekend in Lubbock. So that was really nice. But other than that, I'm going to kick things off talking about some infrastructure packages The U.S. Senate will begin debating a bipartisan infrastructure package this week after lawmakers finished months of negotiations last night. The bill, which is called the Infrastructure Investment and Jobs Act, will cost nearly $1.2 trillion over eight years and includes $550 billion in new spending for roads and bridges, inland waterways, rural broadband, and other needs. Minnesota Democrat Amy Klobuchar was the one who introduced the bill, I believe. She said that it's been a long fought and my piece of it is significant. It's the broadband portion, over $65 billion to make sure that we can finally get the high-speed internet that we need for kids in classes and farmers in the field. We've been talking about rural broadband, gosh, I think since the pandemic started. So it's nice to see that this is actually coming along here. For sure. And I think that package, you know, was pretty big when it was first written. And then, you know, after the bipartisan's talks that it just seems like a lot of that money was reduced. So I'm really interested to see, you know, what the final product is going to be as far as, you know, what's going towards different forms of infrastructure with this broadband, as well as, you know, the roads and bridges as well. But kind of moving overseas here, something big in the newswire was that Brazil's center south winter estimates were cut again according to the Brazilian consulting firm AgRural. 
the delayed moisture in April and May mixed with the frosty conditions that we saw in June, as well as a little bit of July has kind of really put a hamper on the country's crop conditions. And so I know you said that we didn't really have, or that you didn't have any weather news. That's just going to be like my little tidbit, but the firms now is expecting yields to be at 66.6 bags per hectare, which would be the lowest in 10 years. And that comes after the drought and the frost. And now the now agrural rural is expecting the farmers to produce 51.6 million metric tons compared to 54.6 that they last predicted on July 1st. And now supplies will be a lot tighter than last year when farmers collected around 70.5 million metric tons last year. Well, Dawson, I want to kick things down to the Dominican Republic as, of course, there's been some cases of African swine fever. We talked about it last week, and we're going to talk about it again today with Naomi Bloom for our Market Monday segment. But before we get into that, I just want to talk about what they're doing to mitigate the spread as the country is set to slaughter tens of thousands of pigs after detecting outbreaks of African swine fever in 11 of the country's 32 provinces. When we last touched on this, I didn't think it was as big as it has become, but it looks like they've dived into it a little bit more and they're going to be mitigating the spread of it and hopefully, of course, come into the U.S. But officials are still investigating the origin of the outbreak and have not said how many pigs exactly will be slaughtered, but it sounds like it's actually going to be up there when, I mean, this article says tens of thousands. So, I'm suspecting that they're going to be taking this pretty seriously, and it just makes me wonder what's going to happen to the pork markets. But of course, like I said, we're going to talk about that a little bit more with Naomi here in a minute. Right. And kind of bounce off of that in another update is that El Salvador is now added to the list of of the countries that are going to ban imports of pork products from the country or from the Dominican Republic as the disease has spread to different farms. El Salvador's Minister of Agriculture and Livestock came out and said that he urges the entire population to consume only nationally raised pork and processed pork, kind of eliminating exports from or imports from the Dominican Republic and relying more on national supplies. Well, Dawson, I just have one other thing that I want to talk about today, and it's something that happened last week. I am guessing that it happened late on Friday because I don't know how we really missed this as the EPA announced that the Biden administration is proceeding in its effort to craft a, quote, durable definition of waters of the United States. Of course, that's WOTUS. And EPA wants farmers and ranchers to provide input as the agency works to create this new rule. EPA says that they are reverting to the WOTUS rule dating back to before the Obama administration changed the definition, which caused an uproar for ag groups who said that this rule had expanded to create too loose of a definition. The pre-Obama administration rule, which EPA says had been in place for decades, will be the basis of crafting the new rule. Along with the U.S. Army Corps of Engineers, EPA says that the administration will get input from various stakeholders including that from agriculture, and from there, it will propose revisions and changes to WOTUS. EPA says that the, quote, engagement strategy process will start next month as it plans to hold a series of public events to be held virtually. The public will be able to give verbal input during that time. And 
These scheduled public meetings are August 18th, 23rd, 25th, 26th, and 31st, all at various times. But if you're interested in signing up and being a part of this conversation, you can visit epa.gov slash WOTUS for more information. But I'm very glad that the administration is at least taking the opinions of agriculturalists, farmers, and ranchers into effect or into consideration, I should say, as they are putting this new role into effect. I definitely agree, Ash, and I really hope farmers take the opportunity to really give their input on that as that really affects, you know, how we're able to, you know, work the land and kind of, you know, produce food. And it's really hard when there are some shady definitions when it comes to, you know, what land is usable for farm use. But kind of the last thing that I'm watching today is up in Canada where Canadian pork producers in Quebec are asking the province to end a labor strike at a major slaughterhouse as thousands of pigs are risk of being euthanized. This came after the after workers started striking at the Alamel plant in Quebec, uh, demanding higher wages and better working conditions. And since then, they have been shut down of all operations. And but now producers are calling on the labor minister to kind of force both sides to come to an agreement so that they can pick up hog slaughter again. But here it says that 130,000 pigs were set to be slaughtered last week at that at that specific pork plant. Instead, they were transported to both Alberta and the United States. And I don't know if you guys covered this on the podcast earlier, but now the U.S. has actually been authorized to create Canadian or to make Canadian bacon to kind of fill in that gap that has been created here with the lack of pork processing going on in Quebec. But they say that the backlog of pigs of pig slaughter is causing a lot of capacity issues and some animals are also becoming aggressive and increasing the risk for their an increasing risk for health issues. Both the labor union and management have been blaming each side on the new impasse in negotiations that have kept the plant closed. And Alamel said on Friday that it had accepted a settlement proposal from the consolation team, but still the labor union said the company proposed no salary for over the past couple past few days. So it sounds like they're still in a little bit of a stalemate. They might be closer to finding a compromise, yet it just seems that in these last few stages that they're really struggling to kind of conclude that compromise. Well, Dawson, sounds like we are both out of news. So what do you say we hop into the markets? I say we get right into it. Well, starting out here in the grain markets in corn, the September contract up 11 and three quarter cents to close at 558 and three quarters. The December up 14 cents to close at 559 and a quarter. Heading over to soybeans, the September up a quarter of a cent to close at 1356 and a quarter. The November up four and a quarter cent to close at 1353 and a half. The wheat contract starting out in September up 25 and three quarter cents to close at 729 and a half. The December up 26 and a quarter cents to close at 739 and a quarter. In livestock, there was some optimism starting out in the week for the livestock contract starting out here in live cattle, the October up seven and a half cents to close at 127, 27 and a half. The December up 10 cents to close at 
in feeder cattle, the September contract up 17 and a half cents to close at 161.97 and a half. The October up 42 and a half cents to close at 164.47 and a half. In lean hogs, green on the screen here. Starting out in October, up a dollar forty-seven and a half to close at eighty-nine fifty. In December, up a dollar twenty-two and a half to close at eighty-two eighty-seven and a half. And rounding things out with our class three dairy milk futures, not so much good news here. The July contract down three cents to close at sixteen forty-five. The August down ten cents to close at sixteen nineteen, and the September down eighteen cents to close at eighteen sixteen. And with that, I'm going to kick it over to our conversation with Naomi Bloom for Market Monday. Well, today on the podcast, we have Naomi Bloom, who is the Senior Markets Advisor for Total Farm Marketing. Naomi, it's great to have you on. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. I'm looking forward to our conversation today. I'm looking forward to it as well, because this is going to be our first Market Monday that we've had in well over a year without Delaney. So we're going to take it a little bit easy today and just start off by talking about what crops are looking like in your area, Naomi. What are you hearing from your clients? Yeah, you know, it's just a real variety throughout the Midwest as far as what's going on with the clients. So where I live in eastern Wisconsin, Johnson, we have, it is finally our turn to have a little bit of a garden spot year. And so our crops look really fantastic. And and again, for the past five or six years, it's been a struggle. We've had wet springs, wet harvests, things were uneven, but our crop looks great. But if you go into Southern Wisconsin, they're in a drought and Western Wisconsin is hit or miss. And of course, parts of Central Wisconsin just got impacted by that severe storm that we had uh, last week. Uh, looking out throughout the Midwest. I was just on the phone today with clients in the Dakotas and Minnesota, and it's, it is truly hit or miss. So folks, some folks had, you know, decent rain come across. Some people haven't had any rain. Some people have had just like a quarter inch here or there. So it's such a mixed variety as far as where the crop is at. And then of course you go into Illinois or Indiana and even Eastern Iowa and things look pretty good. Um, you know, just a couple more weeks and I think we'll have a better feel for where the yield truly could be. But one thing that I've been hearing from my clients in the western part of the state, you know, guys are getting out there um, a little early to try to um, count kernels on on the ears and at least get the kernels around. And normally you have 16 to 18 around, and a lot of these people are saying it's more like 12 to 14 in some of these places out west. So that's a dramatic yield cut in and of itself. So mixed crop, and I think that's why the market and prices are just stuck for corn and soybeans because we all know that if national yield is less than trend line, we're in trouble and, and prices go a lot higher. So prices are reflecting that and we'll get our first glimpse of yield and what it may be next week on Thursday. That's the next USDA report. Well, Naomi, kind of going into it right here, you bring a good segue into you know the sideways act action we're seeing. And and you can even see it firsthand in different fields. I was up in Wisconsin uh, this weekend where some fields you're driving by and they're just not looking really good as far as corn condition. Then the next field over that it's looking really good. You know, a lot of places just really spotty on where what's getting rain. And you're seeing that in the markets with the sideways action. And then you bring up, you know, the WASD report that we're going to see next week 
kind of, do you see, we're going to, do you think we're going to see a breakout towards, you know, the upside or the downside as far as this report goes then? Yeah, good question. And that's, that's what we're all trying to decide. So usually on the August report, the USDA will tweak the yield. They will tweak it somehow, some way, but they don't um, do like an actual in the field survey until like that data comes out in September. So what they're using in August is more of farmer survey, a little bit of early satellite imagery. Um, so we're not going to get a for sure number, but what we're looking to see is, do they tweak the yield a smidge lower or are they going to leave it unchanged? You know, there's a few people who thought that maybe corn yield would be higher because of the Eastern Corn Belt crop being so fantastic. But with the the more dragging out of dry conditions in the Western Corn Belt, I think it's too early to say exactly where this yield might be. So it'll be very important to see if the USDA has an opinion on yield or if they just leave it unchanged for one more month until they actually have some concrete data in front of them. Amy, I want to talk about what we're seeing today because there's been some midday grain highs. What's been going on in the grain markets just today, starting off the week? So two things happened today. Early this morning, uh, the market prices pushed lower for corn and soybeans. And then corn and soybean futures tested the 100-day moving averages on support on these daily charts that held because there's not enough bearish news to take it lower. So because it held, the short-term like spec traders and day trader buyers came in and bought at that 100-day moving average. And then at midday, corn and soybeans, the corn market had really good export inspections. And so that pushed the corn price a little higher yet. And so corn and beans are now back up kind of near the higher end of this very, very short-term trading range. But the other thing that the grain markets had going for it today was the wheat. Um, Over the weekend, we found out from Russia, one of their... um, consultancy agencies over there. The acronym is IKAR. They lowered the Russian wheat production forecast down to 78.5 million tons, down from 81.5 earlier. So now we have a smaller U.S. crop, a smaller Russian crop, a smaller Canadian crop. And so people are starting to kind of wake up that, okay, it's not just corn and beans that are at risk. We've got low, low wheat ending stocks, Oat ending stocks are really small and tight. And then, of course, with Canada, the canola crop is small. So um, so between the technical buying and then the stronger export inspection news and the favorable wheat information, prices were lifted into the close of the trading day. And so then we'll see this afternoon where crop progress ratings come out. Um, but overall, I kind of wonder if, if prices just continue to trade in these ranges until we know for sure from the USDA next week, a better idea of where the yield may be. Correct. And last week we concluded the wheat tour that showed yields down a lot compared to, especially compared to last year and the lowest since 2008. And like you said, we're still waiting for crop ratings to come out again today at three o'clock and seeing what they're going to do there and most likely probably going to be reduced with that good to excellent condition from the 9% that we saw last week. So Kind of with that, you know, where do we go from here? You know, if we're going to see it in that trading range or maybe shoot even higher. Yeah, so we'll, let's break it down. So for the spring wheat, what's important there is that we've got September and the December contract now closing above $9. Technically speaking, for spring wheat, that is a market that on a longer term chart, $10 futures looks like the ultimate upside objective. So I think that's something that the market can do, especially 
if we see lower spring wheat ratings and if we have a friendly USDA report next week. Now, when you take that information and you add it to like Chicago wheat, so now we have the Minneapolis wheat futures and the ending stocks for the spring wheat down. And so that affects the all wheat category. The funds are starting to want to come back in, but Chicago wheat is the contract that they trade for wheat. So we're coming back into that market because it had been undervalued. So the the wheat contracts for the Chicago are starting to push back higher to their spring prices. So looking at those charts, I think they could go another 30 cents higher and retest their old highs. But then switching over to corn, you know, it's it's a narrower range where we have um, kind of almost like a 20 cent trading range for the short term for corn, 540 support, 560 resistance back and forth, back and forth for the December contract. If we can finally push higher, we'll see the DEEST contract. We need to close above 560. If that can happen, we'll see the DEEST contract probably edge back up towards $6, but that's also in conjunction with a friendly USDA report. And if by chance the perfect rains come through over the next couple of weeks, then downside support is $5. And on the Novi beans, $13.50 is a short-term uh, pivot point for our marketplace. $14 is the upside. $13 is support. So um, again, boils down to weather, boils down to yields. But the mem- just remember this, the, the longer a market consolidates, like a caged tiger back and forth pacing, the bigger the breakout is going to be down the road. And essentially, this corn and soybean market has been consolidating since June in a pennant flag formation. So depending on the weather, depending on the yield, depending on demand, there's some significant price movement coming soon. So I want to kick things over talking about livestock. And the first thing that I really wanted to touch on was African swine fever, because there's been some predictions that the latest cases in the Dominican Republic are going to shake up the markets a little bit. What do you have to say about that? Well, something to definitely keep an eye on, because, of course, that gets closer and closer to home. And a lot of trade has kind of figured that it's not a matter of if it gets to the United States, but potentially when. So. That is something to watch. And of course, if it gets here, um, that'll affect production most likely for sure. And then hog prices here would have to react and respond. So right now, let's just hope it stays, you know, at at bay and the other (laughs) part of the Caribbean over there and doesn't make it to mainfall here in the United States. Um, The other thing to be watching the short term uh, continues to be our exports. Um, Our exports overall, you know, we are at just behind year ago levels in terms of export sales. So the demand is strong. Domestic demand is strong too. Um, But definitely to keep an eye on the African swine fever, not only for the Dominican Republic, but to keep an eye on what's happening in China, if they have any more outbreaks, uh, it is going to be a global problem. And so we have to keep an eye on it. Absolutely. And even for lean hogs, we saw some nice gains today, but Overall, it seems like we've kind of been trending down lower. Are we maybe needing to look at for producers to start protecting their downside risk here? Or do you think we could see some more push to some highward price action? Um, Great question. We're in the middle of the range. Um, It's always a good idea when there's value there to protect protect it just for the uncertainty of what could be lurking. Uh, Looking at charts, looking specifically at the December chart, there was a bearish reversal that was put in place last week with a little bit of a breakaway gap lower. So that makes me a little concerned, but overall we're still holding a longer term uptrend. So we need some friendly news 
very soon in the next week or two weeks to determine which way this market is going to break out, either a resumption of the uptrend, so we need some friendly demand news, um, or do we see prices just drift a little bit lower and maybe get back to the lower prices that we saw in early June? And one last thing to touch on is cattle markets. They seem to, you know, kind of be pushing higher a little bit right now. Uh, There's a lot of concern, especially with the drought, that we're going to be seeing some reduced supplies here in the next couple of years. Um, Do you see that, at least for the long term, being, you know, a positive sign for prices? I'm big time bullish cattle for those deferred contracts for everything you just said. Um, I think it's prudent to be looking at December calls, February calls, just because I think that the prices, technically speaking, look like they were going to work higher. Fundamentally, they should be working higher as well. Uh, Looking at the nearby October contract, though, that's the contract month that's going to just continue to reflect current demand, current cash sales, current box beef values. So you're going to see a little bit more range trading in that marketplace for the October contract. So I don't expect a lot of exciting things to happen there. I don't think it's going to fall apart. I don't think prices rally. I think we're just stuck. But I am really bullish to the deferred cattle without question. Well, Naomi, we definitely appreciate you coming on and chatting markets with us this Monday. For those who haven't maybe listened to any of our previous Market Monday episodes with you, where can they find you at online? Yeah, go ahead and uh, look up uh, Total Farm Marketing. And you can shoot me an email. My email is Naomi at TotalFarmMarketing.com. Or find me on Twitter. My hashtag is at Naomi Bloom. Bloom is spelled B-L-O-H-M. And you're welcome to send me a DM or give me a call. I'm happy to help out in any way that I can. Awesome. Well, thank you once more for coming on and chatting markets with us today. Yeah, thank you. It was great. Uh, You guys are awesome. Let's do it again. Well, once again, thank you to Naomi for offering some more insight into what we can expect. It seems like we're really on a roller coaster right here with how things are going, but things might turn out for the positive, Ashton. And that is very good news to hear, Dawson. I know that you like to stay on the positive side of things. You're an optimist. So I hope that this was a good conversation for you. It definitely was for me when it comes to learning things because I definitely have some learning to do when it comes to Market Monday. So I'm very happy that we have folks like Naomi and Delaney who invest in us young folks, Dawson. But with that, Dawson, should we let the people go? Let's let them go.